Here we go. So, hello, everyone. Uh, thank you for joining us on this uh, interesting podcast, which I think um, uh, everyone should uh, in, in the quant world, or if you're especially if you're looking to uh, study uh, in this in this field, which will help to define more broadly, or more specifically. Uh, so I have three interesting guests, uh, um, Dimitri and Nick and, and Priya. So maybe each of you could briefly explain a little bit what you do and why we should be listening to you and what's your relationship to the and start talking about it. Dimitri? Okay, I'll kick off. Um, I'm Dimitri Bianco. I run a massive YouTube channel. We're almost at 15,000 subscribers, over a million views. Um, I've also worked in the industry for quite some time. Uh, I'm equivalent to an associate director or senior vice president uh, in the banking industry. I've worked at a variety of different regional banks. I've covered everything from market risk, operational, credit, uh, and PPNR, mainly focusing on the regulation side, but model development and validation. Um, I also work with a handful of universities across the United States advising them on financial engineering education and best practices, as well as helping them sum up with student placement. Nick? All right, my name's Nick Roca. Um, I've been with SEI Investments uh, my entire career since uh, graduating from the Lehigh Masters in Financial Engineering. Um, prior to that, I did the IBE program at Lehigh as well in Systems Engineering. Um, I've been with SEI uh, in my 10th year now, and um, if I had a theme to my career, there would probably be portfolio rebalancing. So I started mostly in technology, um, doing massive uh, rebalancing for banks and advisors, you know, 50, 60, 70,000 plus portfolios um, and nightly batch work um, and optimizing uh, those rebalancing algorithms. Then I uh, had an opportunity to move to the investment side and actually um, helped a senior portfolio manager who was a quant launch some of our factor-based funds. So I worked in those funds um, directly, um, both in alpha signal research and portfolio construction. We were kind of just a two-man show for for a few years. Um, ultimately, that team really grew and expanded and moved to the UK. I stayed here and um, I still work on a lot of quantitatively focused um, applications in our investment management units um, technology platform. So um, I kind of oversee development there of, of some of the, the more quant heavy uh, projects. And um, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I've been up to uh, for, the, for the remainder of my time there. Yeah. And Nupriya? Yeah, thanks, Patrick. Uh, thank you so much for this uh, session, arranging uh, this conference. And uh, um, I look forward to uh, being a part of it. And Nick, it was uh, wonderful knowing about you. Uh, I, I, you kind of fit our target audience. So I hope I do not uh, start uh, pitching the courses to you. <laughs> but uh, yes, uh, the uh, to talk about quantity, actually, uh, we started as the, uh, and we still are, uh, one of the leading H, uh, HFT trading firms in India. It's called IRH, and it was started by techno crats uh, who are uh, who are in who were working in financial markets. And as uh, the initially, it was an advisory, and it turns out that uh, there were these different skill sets which were required to manage an algo trading desk. Uh, it's a combination of mathematics, uh, then uh, trading, and also uh, uh, technology, and uh, that is how. Uh, 
quantity came into the picture i have been in quantity for 9 years and uh, before that i was trained as i finished my masters in maths and worked in city group but uh, since last almost uh, 15 years i've been in education i have worked in k12 as well for 5 years and uh, uh, since then i've been in quantity so Great. that's about it um i guess so the first uh... question you know i'd like you to to address is um what is being taught and it's probably a a, a question more for dimitri and, and nick next the background but um uh you know what is being currently taught in those programs can you define those programs uh, the, the 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 <laughs> well the financial engineering slash quantitative finance slash mathematical finance uh, what are the other names uh, computational finance type of program what is it this is your typical okay i, I can start off i know you went to to a bunch of people so yeah i can start off with this i think it's changing over time and that's an important aspect so when you view financial engineering from a core perspective you look back pre 2007 2008 so before the crisis the big boom was going to be derivative products so you start looking even further back than that you start looking back to like the black shoals like late 70s early 80s and the 90s we see a boom here in wall street right you're looking for quants and what are you hiring you're hiring phd's in physics mathematics and that was kind of the focus as we move towards like i don't know early late 2000s here we're seeing financial engineering programs boom and a lot of that focus was around stochastic calculus derivative pricing very mathematical focused again with a lot of statistics and that was kind of the main core and then i think as we're moving forward in time though computer science is playing a bigger role as we're seeing more automation right algorithmic trading started coming around in the 2000s more so than it had prior and so i think today's programs now are even changing more where we see more focus on data science and so i think the question is is where does financial engineering fit in this structure But I think a lot of programs now started to deviate where it's like you're trying to teach a little science, a little statistics, a little mathematics, a little computer science, and every program is so vastly different, it's hard to even select the program, right? Because all the different the names screw it all up, right? Financial engineering, quantitative finance, all that. So it's like which program do you want? Is there really a difference? So I think currently what they're teaching is data science, machine learning is the big focus. They're kind of getting away from what I would consider actual financial engineering. which is going to be derivative pricing engineering financial products and then i think statistics is also taking a big hit and a lot of this is being skipped over in current programs yeah nick when you uh when the program what did you study when you sure um so i first off that was a great um i agree with like everything dimitri said i think it reflects my own experience um it was stochastic calculus and derivatives programs uh an advanced fixed income course um you know coming up with all these crazy derivative strategies and then you know the hardcore math um there was a a random process and applications grad level a uh, statistics course that we had to take it was pretty rigorous um so yeah i think uh dimitri pretty much nailed it that was so i graduated in 2011 um that was really the curriculum then we had a capstone project as well um which was cool and that gave us a chance then to incorporate some computer science we chose to do our 
uh, project in MATLAB and it was computationally uh, heavy. Of course, now Python is uh, where everybody is. Um, I've worked a lot in C Sharp. Um, and then, of course, database, uh, SQL, whether you go Oracle or Microsoft, um, you really ought to know one of those. Um, so uh, I don't really think I could add much to Dimitri's answer except to say that, um, you know, I do think I'll emphasize the computer science piece of it a bit more, that that has been an awesome skill set to expand on in the industry for me and something that um, I think that a lot of the programs probably need to, to focus on a bit more. Um, I think you can't, especially when you're starting out your career, like you can't um, overemphasize the importance of the automation piece because you're going to come in and you're going to have to do a lot of things as kind of a junior analyst. And the more productive you can be, the more you can even use VBA, Python, or, you know, pick something apart um, using computer science uh, skills. The more efficient you can be, the more productive you can be. Um, I think those things all really help you stand out, especially in the early going. So it would appear that 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 they started you as a uh, you know the idea of as David you mentioned a quant working on on the math component was key because we had to come up with all these crazy derivatives and then somehow exotic trading and all that and then of course the market collapsed I think twice and now it's becoming. Right, you, you, you're right, but but yet, Anupriya, what are you seeing on your side? Because you seem to be focused on something very specific. Uh, Anupriya, can you hear me? Yes, I got uh, locked out for a minute. Okay. Now, what I mean by that is, uh, you know, we went from from wanting to uh, produce lots of math-heavy. Um, structure-driven uh, uh, employees, uh, analysts, to now becoming more data-driven uh, because, uh, you know, the market has collapsed so many times that we don't need that many exotic derivative traders anymore. So we need more data-driven people or big data or, or machine learning and things like that. But what is your take on that? What are you seeing? Uh, yes, I agree. So I have myself done a, a bachelor's and master's in mathematics. And uh, obviously, I was at that time very young. But when I uh, uh, went to the job, I in fact, it was from one of the best universities in the country. I felt myself under equipped uh, to perform uh, on the job. Uh, uh, things have uh, uh, thankfully changed a lot with so many open courses now uh, which are available. However, I feel it's very important uh, with the capstone projects and uh, with actually working with data to apply the maths uh, and the theory to come up with uh, with solutions, you know, so uh, all the analysis is uh, actually driven on problem solving. Ultimately, you want to uh, either prize uh, uh, something or you want to do better risk analysis or uh, you want to come up with some kind of strategy, whatever it is, there, it's a problem driven approach. And uh, that has to be kept in mind with whatever mathematics or statistics or theory uh, you are learning. Can, 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 I, can I circle back to a comment that Nick said as well? 
So I think it's important here to differentiate quants from implementation teams. And Nick was like spot on exactly what he said with learning to code very well and learning even like computer science, which is outside of coding, understanding structures and servers and putting all the languages together. It's important to understand how to do it to become more efficient. As he's pointing out, right? You can do things much quicker. You can do a better analysis. It makes you quite well. But I think now we're seeing markets are splitting where you have implementation roles that are completely separated from the quants. We're back in previous times, they're all kind of one job. And so for us, like I'd rather get an undergrad, a master's or a PhD in computer science to do implementation. But I think they're two very different roles. Again, smaller firms might combine those. So you definitely need to know C sharp, C++. And in my grad program, we did uh, use the boost library and actually programmed out you know, all of our stochastic equations uh, and did stochastic calculus in C++. But again, I think it's for students looking for education and jobs is trying to figure out, are you shooting for a smaller firm and you need to have that diverse background or do you need to learn coding to the extent of being more efficient, which is, I think, as you pointed out, something that's missing in a lot of programs. But again, how far do you take that programming? Because I see a lot of students with computer science degrees thinking they can be quants and yet they're missing a lot of math and stats behind the scenes, which is kind of that meat of why you need that. Yeah, could I, I, I would piggyback off that just to confirm it. So, you know, when we, I was kind of there at the genesis of our real quant uh, offering and there were like two of us in the U.S. working on it. So we had to be, you know, very generalist. Um, I would say what I, I've seen outside of, you know, my firm and bigger firms is really um, the role we had because uh, we did have at SCI, you know, we have an implementations team, but we really were quant dev and research in one team. But a lot of places will have research, quant dev, and then an implementations team. And unless you're in, I mean, actually, it's kind of like a sliding scale. The more you go towards implementations, that's like pure coding, understanding accounting engines. That's like, you know, doing attribution reconciliation. That's like a whole nother area. But quant dev is probably has dev in the name. That's where you're, you're really going to need to be strong in like database and, and coding, but you need a lot of quant knowledge or you won't get in as quant dev either. And then, yeah, if you specialize really in just pure quant, you're probably like in research. Mm -hmm. um, you probably need to know Python at a minimum there, but um, you know, a specialized quant firm is, is probably going to try to get as much of the busy work or implementation work or whatever you might see it, they want you to focus on generating alpha on that team and finding, you know, factors or signals that are effective. So um, I, I couldn't agree more. I think the, the bigger the quant firm, the more specialized and the smaller, the more generalized. Yeah, good point. Yes, I agree. Uh, but even in uh, smaller firms, it is possible that developer is different. Uh, in the sense, the person who actually codes the strategy. However, uh, that comes, I believe, at a later stage, at, at least when you are analyzing the data and you are uh, back testing, even then you need uh, basic uh, coding skills. Uh, and when uh, you know that, okay, this strategy is uh, good to go in the market, uh, uh, we need to uh, work with the live uh, trading system now, then probably the developer will come into the picture. Uh, but I, I feel uh, even if you're uh, joining a, a smaller setup, uh, the programming skills are a must. Uh, I, I guess that's what you also meant, right, Nick? Uh, it's very important to, you can't uh, get away. In fact, even uh, 
uh, other fields now uh, are uh, everybody even in art or marketing everybody is now <laughs> becoming a programmer you have to there is no yeah. I would agree. Um, just the, the, I mean, if, if you want to be like, this is just my opinion, but if you just want to be imminently employable, like let's say you're kind of a risk averse person, getting the computer science foundation, I think it, it ports to almost, it ports to so much like Anna Priya just said. So um, I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of maybe at the risk of being a touch philosophical here. Like I'll sit back and think, you know, if I could do it all again, would I build a really strong computer science base and then the math on top of it? And then, you know, the finance, which I think that it's, it's probably learning the finance is the third piece of this that we haven't talked a lot about. And, you know, it's in the, in name of the degree, it's very important, but I do think that the harder the skills, like, you know, the more it's hard, you know, kind of hardcore math or computer science, those to me, those have like a, a steeper learning curve. So like if, I think it's easier to take somebody that's really strong in computer science and math and teach them finance than to take somebody that's never seen any of that and, you know, is just a more traditional finance major and then say, hey, you need to learn computer science and, and math. And I do see uh, going back even to the high school and earlier, um, a lot of uh, education programs introducing computer science earlier and earlier. Um, so to me, this is all kind of like painting a picture that computer science might be really the, the foundation for, for so many fields, in, including quant finance. And then that math uh, is probably, you know, neck and neck with it, the most important thing. Um, but, you know, that's a very specialized set of math skills, um, a lot harder to port to other um, jobs. So um, to me, if I was like prioritizing it, I would like, really nail the computer science side of it, then quickly go on to the math side of it and then pick up as much of the finance, you know, through reading, through talking to people, through industry, you know, networking with people in the industry. Um, you know, just, I think you have to be naturally interested in finance to like want to be in this field. So um, that's kind of just some stream of consciousness thoughts on all this. And I think it's important though to define computer science because I see a lot of people say computer science is programming. But for example, if you're gonna be working in implementation, you need to know the hardware inside and out. And even for example, in Python, right? AMD was far worse than Intel for processors, what, I don't know, a few years ago. But again, Python's changing and AMD's adapting and now they can run the same parallel processing between the two. And again, I'm not, I've, <laughs> I'm by no means an expert on hardware, but I think coming from a computer science side, if you said you're computer science, I would expect you to know everything about the servers, the processing, what you have set up, why you have it set up. How are you beating the competition based on your hardware? How do you integrate that coding into that? Because how you set up your programming and code for optimization should be far different based on the hardware that you have set up. And I think a lot of times in the industry, we keep saying computer science, but it's hard. What is computer science? It's not necessarily just the coding piece. And I see a lot of people saying they're computer scientists, but they're really not computer scientists. And it's kind of like, I don't know, degrading a bit to computer scientists because like I tell them I know nothing about, you know, computer science. Oh, I can code in C++, I can code in C Sharp and Python and R, but I'm definitely not a computer scientist in any stretch of the imagination. Dimitri, would you consider some of that computer engineering more on the hardware side? Because that that is important. Like we have a, an entire team, you know, that they they do server optimization and things like that. And you know, like setting up a, a Tomcat server or IIS and then making sure it's configured. I mean, you could get a PhD in configuring Tomcat. Like, 
to make sure that it's configured to run your services or, or however you're, you're implementing your program. So like, I mean, the complexity on the um, computer science or computer engineering or IT side is like endless complexity. Um, right. But, but, but I would just argue like an implementation professional, like a true professional is someone who actually understands how to write the code to optimize based on the system. And from an industry perspective, I see a lot of people saying like, oh, I'm a computer scientist and they can program in maybe one, two languages. And then I start asking about, hey, you know, I had a meeting, so I've actually met some of these companies. I've met with AMD and we're trying to find some configuration to optimize server performance for the implementation team. It seems like then the quants are like clueless. Like they don't understand like sure. why that makes a difference between running it. But when you start bringing in true implementation professionals, then they start going, oh yeah, yeah, we had this hang up and we had this issue with the server. And then they start asking these detailed questions. And I think it's important to differentiate. Again, a small firm, right? This might all be one piece or you might have an architecture team, for example, right? Setting up servers and managing all that, which is a, as you mentioned, even a different position. But I think it's important to differentiate between quants and implementation. Because I get a lot of people that say they have a computer science background. And then when I start asking really detailed questions like about boost libraries or about, you know, I don't know, memory allocation, it seems to go right over their head as if they've only learned to program in Python or maybe R or something different, but they're not, I don't know. I would consider them computer science experts or professionals. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. I mean, we do we do see some some of that, which is. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Priya. Uh, no, I said I agree with Dimitri. I think we should differentiate, uh, and in fact, the roles are also very different for uh, implementation team and uh, the quant role. However, uh, I would say that even a quant needs to have basic programming knowledge, not an expert in computer science, uh, to do. Uh, the kind of research they are required to do. So right. from that point of view, I think I agree with Nick that uh, every quant uh, education uh, uh, degree program should have uh, some focus on, um, you know, and, and preferably on the new languages. Uh, because uh, we, uh, there was, uh, yeah. this, uh, was R and then now we have Python. Before that, we had, I think, SAS. I was uh, trained in SAS you know, 15 years back. Uh, more than that so and now uh, very few companies are actually using it so uh, that's yeah I yeah I, I would agree but I mean on languages I I stick strongly behind C++ is the king I don't even use it in my daily job and I think if you learn C++ first it makes the ability to program in like Python and R and other languages so much quicker and I hate to say it, but Python, I think, is a fad. It's like every language. We were so excited, you know, about C++ 10 years ago. Then it was C-sharp was awesome. Then we jumped into how R is going to fix everything. And now we're on to the Python boom. Like, it's going to change. So it's like, it's hard to say which language is best overall. But I think having those foundations, kind of as Nick pointed out, right? Having that foundational course, definite training them in the current language would be a good idea. But having that base understanding in general. Yeah, yeah. a lot of it's fit for purpose. Um, too. I think like if you're, let's say you're taking a more fundamental approach, like a factors-based approach to quant and performance isn't everything, but you know, you, you need, um, you know, you need something that is a little easier to support at like in more enterprise level and maybe perform like absolutely bleeding edge performance isn't as important as say it might be in a high frequency trading algorithm or something, you might opt to do something in C sharp and, and some of the specialization around, 
hey, how fast is my algorithm going to run on hardware XYZ running, you know, certain software, you know, understanding all that may not be as important to you. Um, that's where like having really good leadership, I think, at least in, in planning out a quant team is so important because they need to know like what's important to the success of your strategy. Like if it's performance, you, you'd better know all those things down to the last, you know, um, line of, of what's being put in there because milliseconds could kill you. But if you're more fundamental. It might be more important to make a system that's super easy to use, you know, scales well as you add more strategies to it. Um, gives queer, really queer attribution and insights into what's going on in your strategy. Um, you know, it, it, it's just never like as straightforward as like one size fits all. And I think each firm is kind of going to quickly, hopefully tell you like what's most important to them. Right. That's a good point. So this is a little bit worrisome because Dimitri started so well talking about what this thing was supposed to be originally, you know, when all the programs were created. And you notice we're talking really about implementation. We're talking about data, programming. We're not saying anything anymore about um, trading per se or um, you know, finding, you know, finding the truth, quote unquote. So is this what's happening that because then once you're there, you say, okay, so you have to be programming. No, 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 you, you don't, please don't do that. Oh, okay, so I have to know programming without being a programmer, but I'm not doing exotic trading anymore. So, but I'm still a quant. So, and, 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 and I guess that's why we don't really know what to call it anymore. Uh, and the risk is that we get lost in the wilderness out there by having program that may be do lots of, uh, um, you know, lots of programming and less math. Is there, because Anupriya, what are you guys, what are you teaching in your, pro, in, your, um, in your, in your center there in Quant Institute? What are some of the topics? I mean, do you have any finance courses? Finance? Yeah. Do you have finance courses in Quant Insti? No. No. So that's our focus. <laughs> yeah, but every course is actually a combination of uh, maths and uh, technology, where we are teaching in Python, and I can give you the reason for it. And the third bit of it is uh, finance. So, uh, but like I said, uh, the focus is on problem solving uh let's say what you want to do is at the end of the course uh, which is a short course it's not like uh 30 hours uh you know uh, 30 hours uh, semester kind of uh program but a short course which you can do uh while you're working uh so uh let's say you have to create a strategy uh using momentum trading uh, uh uh, trends and theory so you need to learn the theory bit of it how what is momentum trading what are different types of uh, trend uh, following uh, paradigms and you need to uh, take the data and apply that uh, those those theory using a language or a platform so it it can be uh, python it can be r 
but on on our platform we are only using python because uh, of a simple reason uh, one python is easier uh, i i have learned c++ java python r and uh, honestly when if you have to write an entire piece of code and then run it and then debug it and then run it again which happens in uh, c++ it's much uh, more difficult than doing it line by line execution which happens in r and python it's much more intuitive it is it's very closer to english language yes you can always say that uh, anybody who has coded in c++ will uh, be able to code in python and maybe not vice versa but uh, the the thing is uh, what i believe uh, from my experience in education is also that uh, the aim is not to make things much more difficult you know it's not to give a very high targets but it is to keep going you know keep achieving at least small small things so that you build that confidence and you never stop learning so for example even if you say start learning with python and you are able to implement uh, actually deliver something implement a strategy uh, if later on the challenge is for you to learn c++ i believe you will be able to whereas if you start with something uh, much harder and you fail there it might be difficult to pick it up later so uh, the and i agree with what you are uh, saying about you know maths uh, is are we you know losing the focus and are we not uh, studying maths anymore and and uh, like we already established that it's very important to have those core uh, concepts uh, uh, set you know and those will be difficult to pick up later uh, but i think you know it matters it 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 differs from individual to individual every individual have different learning styles and uh, those who actually want to get into the core uh, bit of it there are so many financial uh, papers research papers to study uh, so yeah so that's why i think the master programs are also very relevant because they give you that core training to uh, to work with so much uh, you know the, the pure maths of it uh, which is also i think uh, relevant uh, for a certain uh, you know we need to have that kind of strength as well you know what um erian because now we're getting into the the interesting topic of you know learning versus training right uh, i know that when nick uh, went to the program i mean it was mostly learning uh, right uh, the principles and then you i think you had one capstone but also the bulk of your work and i think that's the case uh, dimitri right that that everything is mostly you sit and you learn the principles and but um um mas for example not too long ago he had an interview with the wall street journal and he basically said you know less mbas less um less presentations and more doing so i i would argue this on there's a two piece part to it you have you have academic masters and you have professional degrees which i'm just going to call them what they are they're vocational training an mba is vocational training whether you like it or not that's just what it is um 
even for hiring on a lot of quants, most financial engineering programs I will not hire from. I won't even consider because it's vocational training and it's so applied to one very specific thing that you can't stretch. And so my argument would be is that while you do need some of that professional industry experience and in trying to show the application, if you have someone who's very academically trained on just the theory and the skills themselves, I can train you to do anything. So I've worked in credit risk, I've worked in market risk, I've worked in operational risk, right, and PPNR risk. Most people can't do that. I look at all these different backgrounds. It's because they don't have that theoretical grounding where they can take the math and the statistics, more importantly, and apply that to any of these problems and come up with actual worthwhile solutions for the problem. When I see a lot of students nowadays, it's quite frustrating from an industry perspective is you get them and they show up and it's like they've been trained to do A. And when you try to say you have to do A plus B, it has to be this bigger scope. It's like you have to sit down and retrain them to do an entirely different job because they're only trained to do one thing. And this is my concern now with a lot of the programs that are deviating into machine learning and data science. But if I wanted a machine learning data science expert, I'd go out and hire a data science master's. And so I think it's important to differentiate where a program's going, what's more important, kind of like you're pointing out, what's more important, the theoretical construct or the application? I mean, I'm sure people on here disagree with this somewhat, but I think the theoretical construct is actually the most important piece for a successful career throughout the entire career for a quant. Nick, what do you think from a practical yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, I so I almost split this into like two categories based on what Dimitri's saying. One one is like an abstract, you know, if you just understand the high level abstract concepts, then you can get the applications, and and that piece I agree with. Um, I'll maybe play devil's advocate a touch because I I think I mostly agree with Dimitri, but um, I'll kind of bite and say that. Sometimes you'll see postings out there where they are just, you know, somebody left a firm and they just need like somebody that knows how, I don't know, axioma works, or they need to know how, you know, this, this trading uh, or accounting engine works. And, and maybe these are not in pure research, but these are more in the implementations or quant dev side where they'll say, hey, here's our technology stack. And, you know, maybe if you've been trained on that specific stack, boom, like you go to the top of the list. So um, I think that, yeah, for education, obviously, I think learning because learning the abstract concepts that are at the core and the foundation of all these careers is definitely most important, I think, when you're a student. But, um, you know, as you kind of move in your career, you're definitely, um, I mean, you'll, you'll just see it out there. A lot of postings looking for somebody with a, uh, a very specific, like, Hey, do you know how this works? We need somebody that knows how this works and, you know, <laughs> start Monday if you, if you know how this works. So, um, I don't know. I think, um, I think that a combination of the two, as you, you know, maybe start with the theoretical, but as you go, having the applications are, are, you know, probably really important, um, you know, to your career, because uh, at the end of the day, you're going to be working in applications. Um, so, uh, yeah. that's, so, the, yeah. so, so, so let me, let me be controversial here, because then if you're saying that if that's true, and what if Dimitri's saying is true, meaning, you know, I want to, you want to study the, the, the principle, the basics, I mean, the, the, the theory, so that you may not use all of it, 
But just in case you're able to, you're not just programming uh, and, and no machine learning, but then if that's the case, I mean, some of these principles have been around forever. And unfortunately, the, and unfortunately the majority of people out there graduating from these programs, while the information is freely available, they still don't implement it correctly. <laughs> okay, so, so the argument to say, yeah, but you know, you, it, the book is out there. It is nothing, it's nothing new. I mean, one school is not going to teach you any differently than another school, at least the principle of it. So what's, so what makes a difference? What's the quirk then? What, what, why should I take this program here versus there? Because stochastic calculus has been around forever and they've got thousands of books on them. And if I'm not going to be focused on practical implication, which that's much more difficult to individualize, you know, as, so then I would argue, I would argue the, the application of the methods I can teach you in like a day. Like if we have a new problem, I can explain, if someone has that really strong theoretical background, I can explain it in a day and they understand it quickly because they understand all the math behind it. The issue I have is when you get someone and they have all this application and the industry practice and I come in and tell them like, well, what you learned in school is not actually correct. That's not how we do it in the industry. I mean, your teacher's nice, but that's not real application. And then you change it. Then I have to go back and do all this layering of explaining exactly why it's different. And I even have students argue with me and will say, you know, well, I, I know this friend or I work in a different country in the United States. And all we need to know is to code that in there and I get a result and I'm happy and I'm fine. But the issue is, this comes back down to this core concept in finances. Anybody can build a model, but is the model correct? And how do you judge that, right? I mean, I could build a model and it performs, I don't know, say at 90%. Nick builds a model, it performs at 95%. So his model's better than mine, let's say. But at the end of the day, if I don't know Nick, right, everyone's gonna think I'm a genius, right? I hit 90%. And I think this is where the fundamental problem comes in quant finance as well is if you take everybody and they have a low level knowledge, there's no one to judge what is correct and not correct. And you have no alternatives everybody looks great. Like you don't even need a master's degree. Let's just get an undergrad degree. We'll just throw them in there. They'll model things in Excel, come up with strategies. And hey, I mean, that's traditional finance. You don't really need all that additional programming and statistics and math, right? It's just too much to do. And so I think the fundamental piece here is who's, who's setting that level for the firm? I mean, senior management should be setting the standards, obviously, at some point. Uh, but again, how do you measure the quantness of it and the correctness of it? Because the vast majority of models and the vast majority of research papers and presentations you see online around quantitative finance are wrong. There's so many flaws with the assumptions they make and they don't even state those assumptions clearly. And I think even like the Black-Scholes is a great example of this, right? It has flaws, it has assumptions, but they clearly state those flaws up front. And that's kind of the defining characteristic of judging how well your model is kind of structured. Yeah, I, I'd piggyback Wow, there are like a bunch of things there actually that I'd piggyback off of. Um, first off, thanks for giving me the 95% model. Um, oh, yeah. I'm not sure I deserved <laughs> that, but um, the uh, what I'll say there though is is yes, I agree. It's on the quant leadership to to set. You know, how are we validating these models? Um, a good quant is always extremely skeptical. Um, if you get a good back test, I mean, be wary of the back test. That's um, something that uh, I think everybody's probably heard in the industry. You should be extremely skeptical of, of a good back test, uh, you know, and try to beat it up. Um, and uh, I think really though, what maybe Dimitri's getting to is like, 
first principles thinking. I mean, you shouldn't be data mining for a signal that just works and then trying to justify why it worked. I think maybe, maybe that could, you know, maybe some people are successful doing that, but um, that that's like, to me a bit, in my opinion, a little dangerous. I think it's way better to be a first principles thinker and come up with a theory that has some fundamental reason for why it should work and then start building your model that way. And that's where that good leadership and thought leadership should be coming saying, Hey, you know, we think that this should work because of these logical conceptual first principle reasons. And then you start building your model and then, you know, you need to be skeptical at every, every level, every result, you know, question everything. Um, so I, I, I would agree, um, entirely. I think, um, you know, coming out of school, just, you know, being a skeptic and, and not trying to get the best model, but trying to just, you know, learn how, how the models work, work, uh, where the assumptions are baked in, you know, when, when would your model be wrong? When would it perform badly? You know, um, you know, what could derail your, your model thinking through all those things. It's just like a really, really important thing versus, Hey, I just want to get in there and start coding and, you know, set it up and then, looking like FactSet or, or BlackRock or Bloomberg and see what my performance is. And then, you know, I'm checking my alpha of my model every day. And then, you know, that's probably not uh, the, the most productive uh, thing to be doing. So. so I guess if somebody, a student is looking at this and saying, okay, so what should I be doing? Well, it's not so much what you should be doing, you know, the type of program, but, I guess you need to be aware that the industry is changing. You need to be aware that, you know, be careful. You do need, you do need that theoretical background uh, because even though the market is pulling you one way, as Dimitri mentioned, yeah, but it may, you know, Python is just today, you know, uh, years back it was Fortran and who knows what's going to be in the future. So then you end up with this thing and say, great, we don't use that anymore. We're using something else. Ah, so, but you need the fundamentals that have been there for years and years and years. And I guess it's, it, it, it depends how well you understand the material and how well it's being taught to you also, obviously, and how, and I guess Anapriya would, would disagree, you know, how when you teach this to students, uh, because I'm assuming that, do you have classes? Uh, do you have the is this online or is it um, your courses that you're giving at Quant Institute? Are they yes. physically in the classroom or? Uh, we do have a classroom, but everyone prefers it to attend online. So there are two types of uh, courses. One is uh, classroom based and another are self-study. And uh, uh, we have found even in classroom based courses, students prefer to uh, go back and self-study at their own pace, they want to see the thing. So what I, re I realized in this conversation that all of us are uh, assuming that people, uh, that students will be implementing. What Dimitri said, what Nick said, uh, is the assumption that whatever we have learned, we will go and implement. Uh, but actually the, uh, the truth is far from it. The truth is that what we learn, uh, a lot of it, uh, especially if we have not learned to implement it while learning, then we forget it, you know, uh, unless you keep going back and uh, reading back the books. So that's why if you read a book uh, two years back and if somebody asks you how, what was taught in that book, you will, unless you have implemented any of it, you might not remember it. 
that's why uh, it is uh, it's important uh, to uh, think from the learner's point of view also not every learner is uh, can understand the abstract concepts or uh, uh, and in fact uh, that doesn't mean that every uh, they cannot understand abstract concepts uh, uh, at all what i mean means they can understand it if it comes with the implementation bit of it so uh, so what it means is we can obviously as educators we can say no it is important to teach a b c and you have to go through so many books and uh, but by the end of that education uh, or let's say after 4 years of it or 10 years of it how much of it is retained that is that is i think a very important question to ask uh not just after 15 years after 20 years since the market has changed and we are preparing our students for that uh that change right so we need to ask that question i think all the educators and i i think for selecting programs it's a challenging aspect because right we require that masters at least in the us as that minimum that bare minimum and yet a year to year and a half i feel is way too short I think master should be at minimum 2 years but even at 2 years right it you can't learn everything it's so hard to learn everything and I think it's important to look at the different masters that are available and try to figure out where are those schools placing students and if that is the career path that looks interesting to you then go after that program you know so if this program is placing a lot of students on I don't know let's say the quant research side or the trading side and you want to do that and that program is placing a lot of students there that's where you should go But I think it should be—you should be aware of it because realistically, what are what are what are educational institutions? They're money-making machines. They're out to make profit. They're not out really to educate you per se. And even for myself, for example, I'm trying to do some online education with YouTube and Udemy and other things like that. You can make far more money making fun, flashy, exciting videos and tell people how to trade the stock market than I can. I mean, I published a video on how to program an R. What is a stochastic processes? How does it apply to finance? they might get 150 200 views but no one wants that rigorous material and so i think as an educator and as universities at whole you have to kind of judge and see are these universities providing you something fun and exciting but it's not really applicable to what you want to do or are they providing you something that's solid that leads to the career that you want and of course every student's different right where you want to end up's going to vary from student to student but again trying to align that university's goal with yours i think is important but also challenging because most programs are kind of lying about what they're actually providing you You know what, Dimitri? This is totally true what you say because if you're a student and you say, "Okay, Dimitri, I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to go on those website and I'm going to see what I'm going to be doing," well, uh, no, I mean, well, the, the number that is used is how many of the students work, and in fact, that's how they use the ranking. You know, uh, are 90% of your student employed? Yes, 95%. Great, 100%. Fantastic, but there is no. ranking that says hold on hold on hold on but what are they actually doing are they quants or are they programmers or are they data scientists because what are we actually and when you go on the websites you don't often see I mean you see one student with a tie you know working or whatever but you don't see all of them no. and you don't get to know what they're doing and maybe that's you're right that may be the key to say okay because that's the only way you're going to know what you truly going to be doing um yeah and i think part of it is that definition of what you do 
because a lot of people reach out to me and say, Dimitri, I want to be a quant, you know, right. And they explain exactly what they want to do. And they say, oh, I'm going to go to this program. That's really well ranked. You recommended it. I said, hold on. Like, what do you think being a quant means? And most of them think it means being like a trader. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't view traders as quants. It's a very different skill set. And if you start Googling online, right, looking at these top hedge funds, for example, their traders aren't quants. They come from business backgrounds. They don't even have the math training for it. So it's like, if you want to do that, I have like nothing against that. It's an awesome career, but perhaps these other programs would be better. I think it's the most challenging pieces, again, even for the student defining exactly what you want to do. And that I think would determine which program is best. There's not necessarily like amazing programs and terrible programs, but again, if your target is quant finance, a lot of the top ranked programs for quantitative finance and financial engineering aren't going to land you that quant job you're expecting. Yeah, actually, that's a very interesting point. In fact, in trader education, also, the thing that sells is, you know, I made so much profit. And I, I, I started with $100. And now I have $1 million. And, yeah. you know, uh, uh, promises, which are totally bizarre. <laughs> so I agree you know, uh, that uh, I think that's kind of, uh, I think we should be very honest in what we are, uh, what we are delivering, what we are uh, what we are promising in any education. Uh, uh, ultimately, the hard work is to be done by individuals. The good thing about education is uh, it can come anytime, you know. So like I mentioned, uh, I go back and read the books that I have read five years back. And when I read them again, I realized, oh, I didn't understand, you know, 50% of it. But the only thing is, is that I was not ready at that time. But the book made me uh made me fascinated it, it fascinated me and it uh it was it didn't left me with kind of thing that uh what is this you know it was something that i will come back to again and again and that i think is the role of education to uh enable learners to come back to the same concept read it again understand it better uh, ultimately the core is same yeah. yeah and i wish programs would just label the program correctly like that's the biggest ploy here. I hear people like, this is the greatest quant program. And I'm like, those students, so behind, behind closed doors in my LinkedIn account, right? Their students are messaging me and I can tell you they're not quants, but it's called financial engineering or quantitative finance. It's like, it's an investment banking program. Like it's an MBA, it's a feeder program. Yeah, I'd, I'd add um, a few things to that. Um, maybe to tie, tie a couple of things together here. Um, one quick hitter, maybe to Dimitri's point, um, you know, look at most of these programs have the syllabus or like the classes you have to take online. So just go see if they're like actually quant classes um, or if they're not. Um, but the other big takeaway I'm, I'm kind of getting from this whole conversation, you know, like if I'm a student, so what's actionable from this conversation? Um, I think like it's, it's kind of like you almost need to kind of cross train yourself across the abstract and the learning and then the application. So like if I'm a, a student going into a grad program, a couple things I would say. One, if you're looking at master's programs, let's say you pick a good one, um, you know, you go read the syllabus, you talk to some people on LinkedIn, you find a good one that actually is quant and you're really happy with it. I still think you're going to be surprised that you're going against a lot of PhDs um, for a lot of quant roles. And I think so, you know, it's not a, a slam dunk. You may not be starting uh, with your dream job. So um, just keep that in mind unless you want to do a lot more school, which, hey, that, that might be the right thing for you. Um, but what I would say is kind of, 
I think you need to complement the abstract with the application. So like if I'm a student, I think the smartest thing you can do is, is take the, the degree program that's hard skills, abstract concepts, true quant concepts, and, and learn and learn how to think in school. And then, you know, go get an internship or go network or, you know, go, you know, do some side projects in Python or whatever, you know, try to replicate, you know, a three factor model, you know, with available data online, you know, go, go do some of that outside of school. And I think if you do the both, they reinforce each other because actually some of the abstract concepts I understand way better now after a particular application that made the, the kind of the penny drop for me. But um, you know, now I, now I actually have cemented that abstract thought and I can apply it broadly like Dimitri said, but as Anna Priya was saying, if I didn't do the application that made it click for me, I may have never understood that abstract concept. So I think doing both and using a really good program to learn how to think and learn the, the concepts and then complementing it with the more practical, that's like your, your best, best approach. Yeah, I'd agree. I, I would also argue as a little bit of a disagreement with the curriculum. It is so hard to read curriculum now and to tell you if it's a quant program. And it, I'll tell you, this is because I've been doing this for five, six years now, seven years. Quant programs and non-quant programs have gotten very, very tricky. So you'll have a really good top-rated quant program and they have all the curriculum listed. And it's like, okay, it's obviously a quant program. It's been in the industry for, I don't know, 15, 20 years, something like that. And you'll have a non-quant program and they'll have a bunch of like businessy classes listed. And then you watch next year all of a sudden, all those classes, the same numbers, like finance, I don't know, 570, is now math 570. And they'll relabel them a little bit to articulate it so it looks like a quant program. And so a lot of students reach out to me trying to say, hey, like, is it real or not? And I hate judging it because, right, I don't, I don't actually know no unless I could, like, go down to the school, sit in the class, read through the textbooks, right, talk to the students. And so it's so, so challenging to actually rank out these programs. And that's one of the biggest... I guess struggles for people applying for education and learning as well. Yeah, and that's where a lot, a lot of students probably also, uh, you know, argument they're studying later on with program like such as quantity, right? Which, which tends to say, okay, these are the things that people are actually using, um, um, but the thing is, they need they need a lot of theories, right? Be to be able to handle it because they say, I want to learn these things. I want to learn these tools. Yeah. But if you don't know all this that comes with it, it's difficult for you to grasp. Um, so soon they, they want to give me something I could use right away. You say, well, I, yeah, because then I, I've seen lots of online um, delivery uh, um, programs apart from academics who are very specifically driven to tell you this is what the industry is using that's great but this you don't see the slew of the background that you need to understand it as well and, and we, we at least for me personally i run from those students when i see they're so excited to learn application and they're so hungry for it and they think that's going to get them the job i'm like Thanks for interviewing. Like, I know you're not going to fit. I want that person that wants to dig deep in the math and the stats. I don't want that guy that's super excited, you know, to make that million dollars or to make that big position. Because a lot of times for the quant perspective, if you're deep enough in the research side and the model development side and the validation side, 
you're so deep, you're not looking at that dollar value. You're looking at, you know, statistical metrics and seeing if the application works correctly. And of course, like now I see, oh, we have, you know, millions of dollar losses or whatever. It's like, eh, whatever. It doesn't, like, it doesn't phase me, but as a student, you would be like shocked on like, yeah. you know, you lost $10 million yesterday. But I think for the, I think in a general sense, if you're really concerned about application, it's really exciting to you. I would actually encourage those students to go into finance, like traditional finance. Yeah. But and Nupri, what you can, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Dimitri. And Nupri, think, what do you think about that? Because this is your backyard. Uh, I think I, uh, I, can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, every individual, like I said, uh, works differently. They learn differently. So if you can start with abstracts, uh, uh, you know, work, uh, in a data free environment and understand stuff, uh, go through an entire machine learning book without working with any data sets or programming, uh, excellent. But uh, honestly, I myself as a learner would not be able to do it. I am a kind of a person who reads this much and then applies. And that not that is not just for uh, finance or math, that is for parenting. Like if I'm reading a parenting book on how to talk to your children, I will read one chapter, I will shut it down, I apply it for a month, I'll go back to the book, read again the next chapter and so on. That's my style. Now the thing is, as an educator, it is uh, our responsibility to be able to provide the content which can cater different type of learning styles. Uh, so, somebody so, wants to, uh, yeah, please. I, I would just dis disagree with the, I think we're defining application differently here. So when you say if you learn a concept and you use data and you apply it, like you're testing and seeing charts and seeing how it works, I would argue it's still theoretical. Like it's not an actual real world application a lot of times. So I agree, like programming and seeing how it works is important. That's that definitely an important piece. Hi? But how is that not an application? I mean, if you're actually, uh, let, let's say, even if you're uh, working with black shows and you're then uh, trying to apply it on actual data, uh, how is that not a real application? Okay, so I'll give you an example. Black shows is super specific. Okay, so that one has to have an application. You'd have to teach it alongside that. But if you looked at something, for example, how do you model the volatility within that, that derivative pricing? You can use real data, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't have any actual application to it, but you could also use any type of data. And it's important, I guess, if you tie in the finance piece of it, right, that's real, but what you're gonna teach in school is gonna be vastly too simplistic for application in the real world. So for example, a derivative trader that's actually building research models for these isn't gonna build, for example, a simple Garch model to do volatility modeling. Right? You might be using something more complex, like Jim Gatherall has the rough volatility model. It takes, again, all these layerings of stochastic calculus to understand how all the pieces get put together to have that implementation. Again, it's very controversial. A lot of people don't agree with the rough volatility model. But again, it's not going to be from an app, like the way I define it, it's not a real world application because it's not really how you would do it in the real world. It's just taking financial data, seeing, okay, this is a good approach and it works, and the whole purpose of that is only to learn that theoretical construct. If I was to teach you, for example, how to do time series modeling, so regards with volatility as well, I mean, it would. I could teach you industry stuff. No one's going to understand what's going on. It's going to be fun and exciting, but no one's going to get it because you don't have all those really, really simplistic, easy to understand applications. Because once you get to real world data, 
the data is not clean, it's not easy to process. A lot of the theories are really, really hard to see. Like I can't, I can't, for example, explain stationarity concepts on real world data a lot of times. It's too complex. So you have to go back into simple data pieces like economic data, which is really easy to understand before you can apply that to actual real world applications on how we would actually do that at a bank or a trading firm, for example. I don't understand why can't we teach stationarity concept on uh, the real market data? You, you can, but again, what you're teaching, the level you're teaching at is not how it's actually used in practice. So for example, you can teach stationarity, but how does that stationary impact more dynamic model structures? How does that impact stochastic processes models? How does that impact ARIMA, ARIMAX, GARGE? How is that going to impact all these very specifics within that model? And I can tell you 99% of everyone out there is not teaching stationarity correctly. Dimitri, is your fear more that if somebody, sorry to just kind of butt into this, but like, is your fear here that like, if somebody came and said, hey, I learned how to apply one of these models you're talking about in the industry that they don't conceptually understand it, you're going to think, hey, they just know this one really specific thing. They can plug the numbers in it and get an answer out, but they, they don't, they, they never, like you have to go back to the simple like model and then like understand it at the lowest fundamental level and then build up up to that industry model. Is that the fear? It's yeah, you're hitting it right on the head. And I would say it's a fear based on reality. So I constantly see these graduates from all these schools across the country that come and they work and they run some tests, they run some model and they say, this is what I was taught in school. And I go, great, it's failed. Go back and rebuild it. Three more months of work. Well, now you end up in the situation where management's upset because now they wasted three months. Then they're upset at you because you wouldn't pass it. And then I'm looking at it like we missed very, very fundamental aspects here because they've learned how to apply these so blindly that they're not taking away that theoretical underpinning. So I agree with, with you on the education as well and your program, your education system, that it's good to use real world data and to kind of learn the basic concepts. But as you're pointing out, Nick, it's kind of that layering of like, you would need to start with something so simplistic with real data that in the yep. real world, right, you would need to layer on years worth of classes, not necessarily like one application. Right. I think that's actually compatible with what Anna Priya is saying, because she's just, I think what Anna Priya is saying is basically just, you know, once you learn the concept, you have to go do practice problems and, and right. you have to go practice it or it won't, you'll never remember it or it'll never make sense, which I think like tr very true. Um, I think Dimitri, you're just like more like the person that puts this specific model on their resume, you know, and only has, you know, one year of work experience, like that's kind of a red flag, something like that. Yeah. I, I was just pointing out that I'm agreeing with Priya, but I think what she's understanding is me saying is applications necessarily not different. Like we're agreeing on the same thing, right. but I just don't want, I see a lot of programs. So I can tell you big name universities that will say, this is how it's done. And then they come in industry and it's not how it's done. But I definitely agree with Priya on like, you need to use data to actually see how it works, works, right? You can't just read the textbook and then theoretically understand everything. Okay. Uh, I think we should, I think it's, uh, we could go, we could keep on going. Uh, but I think it's, uh, hopefully it's, uh, when people watch this, they'll have a, a better feel as to, and I think the, what they're learning is be careful. Don't, don't believe what you read. Make sure you go beyond, make sure you ask the right questions. And I see that with students all the time. And, and the question is, why do you want to be a quant? And what do you expect from this program? And, and a lot of people don't really know what it means. They say, I want to be a consultant. 
anyway, this is a different topic altogether. Any parting words before we end the, the podcast? Um, uh, just to add what you said there, Patrick, in addition to that, uh, you should also remember that education is a lifetime business. So if you have completed a degree or a course that uh, you should sure. not feel that you are an expert. Uh, it's uh, as we have pointed out, it's a layers, uh, layers kind of thing. So you read a book, you read it again, you do a course, you do it again. And even after that, there are so many research papers that keep on coming in. Uh, I think it's very important to know that it's not over uh, until the end. <laughs> Great. All right, uh, everyone, thank you very much for your time. And uh, hopefully we, uh, we do this again uh, later on to see how things have changed the industry. All right, thank you. Yep, okay. Thank you.